Welcome to the Jacob Wayne Show. I am your Jacob Wayne, and it is only Jacob Wayne this episode. Um, There's a little bit of scheduling conflicts all on my end. Um, I was going to do top 10 Christmas movies with our buddy Michael Valentine this episode, but uh, I couldn't ever land on a specific time to record it. And before you know it, it's the Monday before the Wednesday this is supposed to go up. So... It's just your boy Jacob Wayne here, so it's just you and me. You're very special to me. All right, so I think I'm a little more comfortable with this uh, recording business these days. Uh, I could do this by myself, no big deal. This camera, though, man, it is bugging me a little bit. Damn, whatever. I need a better uh, webcam, really. Uh, here's a couple updates before I just dive into my top 10 Christmas movies and uh, call it good. Uh, there's going to be two Gamma Paw shows coming up in the year 2022, one on January 30th at the Lyric Theater and one at the Emporium Pool Hall or Sports Bar here in Fort Collins as well on April 1st. That is not an April Fool's Day joke because it is not April Fool's. It's just on that day. So if you talk to me on that day and I say, actually, there isn't a show, that would be really bad for me promotionally, but then that would be an April Fool's joke. Uh, What else is going on? Uh, What am I drinking? Some coffee. It's uh, my morning. which is really like 1 p.m. or something. So it's kind of not my morning. I've been up for a little bit, but uh, I'm going to be taking on a new gig. I'm going to be teaching English to Chinese people once again, but I'm not going to go live in China this time. Last time was in 2013, and I lived in the great, most beautiful city of Hangzhou. And while it was a wonderful experience, and I can't wait to go visit again, it was kind of hard because I couldn't work on music or art quite as easily. I maybe could have worked on art a little more, but it was very busy and just not totally how I would prefer to be going about my business. So now I'll be teaching English online and uh, can kind of shape that around my schedule. So I'll be still doing art, still picking up random work gigs like hammering nails into wood around Fort Collins. Uh, This podcast, this should be continuing to come out on Wednesdays. 
But uh, I'll be on Beijing time for Monday through Thursdays. So if I remember correctly, they're kind of trying to do these lessons after they get out of school. It's going to mostly be students, uh, but some adults. And essentially, I'll be working from 10 p.m. to 3 a.m. in the morning. Now, that might sound crazy to some of you, but if I'm left to my own devices, I pretty much go to sleep at 3 a.m. anyways. So it's just going to kind of be weird in the sense that I'm putting work right up until I go to sleep. And I've kind of done that with painting, but it'll be a little bit of an adjustment and I'll have to figure out recording this. Um, we'll definitely have Kellen on as the main co-host plenty of times, but there might be a couple more episodes like this where it's just me yammering at you and not knowing exactly when to stop because I don't have somebody on the other end to call and respond with me. But uh, you're going to get to know what it's like inside of my own head a little more. And I think that that will be beneficial for not only you, but perhaps me as well. Um, yeah, I am looking extra pasty today. I'm like catching myself in the, in the, you know what it is? We just switched out the video card of my computer because we're testing to see if uh, our buddy Shockey's card is working properly. And so that's what it is. Extra detail. Never a friend with me. I don't know. I'm looking pretty, pretty sharp. It's just the lighting isn't my favorite. All right, let's move on. Um, any good eats? Uh, not really. It's a pretty standard week of food, so we'll just move right beyond that. New music releases. Uh, all I can say is go check out that new Big Dumb Face record by Wes Borland, um, Christmas in the Cave of Dagoth. That is D-A-G-O-T-H, Dagoth. Um, Part three of a sort of loosey-goosey trilogy of Duke Lion. Uh, the first album was Duke Lion Fights the Terror. The next one was uh, Duke Lion is Dead. Or so, yeah, Duke Lion is Dead, something like that. I don't have it pulled up yet, so we'll just move along. But go listen to all three... Big Dumb Face Records. This is Wes Borland. You might know him as the guitar player of Limp Biscuit, and you'd be like, what, Limp Biscuit? But Limp Biscuit is pretty cool. I'll never say it isn't dumb because it's definitely dumb, but it is cool. But Big Dumb Face is kind of like where you really see Wes Borland shine and be the true creative that I think he is. And it's inspired by people like Mr. Bungle and Ween and all that. So that's really all I got. Um, if you use uh, Spotify, though, actually, that is something. And I will pull this up. I have made a Christmas playlist. Uh, I believe it goes by Jacob Wayne Christmas. Yeah, Jacob Wayne's Christmas playlist. Um, I might throw on a couple more tracks, but essentially... Uh, it's 32 songs and it's great for the holidays so throw it on Christmas with your family everything like that I think you might be surprised by some of these songs some of them you won't be and if you really want to get it going with your family look up my trash candy playlist that's also on Spotify uh, so that's going to be music 
Um, I'm going to save some of these articles for the next episode that we do with Kellen, because that should be good. I can kind of split the duties of reading them a little bit. So video games, we've been playing New World. That's still rocking. It has a lot of bugs and flaws and stuff, but they're working them out. They're making it more fun. Maybe I'm just really enjoying it because of the uh, crew I've been playing with. Good group of people. Um, let's see here. Shout out to Lou Sassels. He's a good player in the game. Uh, shall we just get into the top 10 and uh, perhaps call it good? I think so. So let's find this uh, chat and movie song. I can do this now. Take a sip of coffee while this plays. Yeah, Chen movies. Well, let's see here. Uh, real quick, maybe some movies that I've been watching before we get into this top 10 list. I should have done more preparation, but oh well. And of course, I'm not signed in. Sign in. I like to use Letterboxd, by the way. Uh, it's a great way of keeping track of what I watched. And some people might be like, why keep track? But I kind of like it. You can uh, rate things, remember things you watch, blah, blah, blah. Um, we're going to go real quick through this because the last episode, I was very drunk and can't really remember too properly. So I can't quite recall what we talked about or went over. Uh, so I'll just real quick say that looks like the last things i watched i know we talked about the matrix still haven't watched the sequels and the new one's going to be coming out the day this episode comes out i think so oh boy better get on that but watched the it miniseries from the 1990s that more and more i think is superior to the new one that came out I uh, watched Quentin Tarantino's Jackie Brown, which is really underrated movie from him, but it is a little long. Perhaps doesn't have as many thrilling moments as his other movies, but it's a really solid little uh, crime caper. Dumb and Dumber, Dirty Work, Wedding Singer, The Mask, Rush Hour. All 90s comedies and all pretty great in their own little way. Um, I like them all, but Dumb and Dumber, The Wedding Singer, Dirty Work, are Rush Hour 2 are a little dated. Rush Hour's maybe the most dated out of all of them, but they just there's that whole weird slapstick 90s humor thing that just you don't see anymore. And sometimes it's like, wow, that was wacky and hilarious. And other times you're like, that was just gross 
or silly. Uh, Matt and Trey from South Park fame. They used to call those like derp jokes, like when somebody just like walks into a wall and I'm like derp, and then derp kind of moved into the lexicon, and I think a lot of gamer kids use it, and they didn't even realize that that came from South Park. So uh, the mask though really holds up. The music was excellent, and I'm talking like the score to the movie, like. Yeah, it had a really good soundtrack, which kind of made swing music popular again for a minute in the 90s. But uh, no, yeah, it's the score. It's like. Really sets the tone. I mean, the art direction is still really great. I mean. It is just a cartoon, not trying to be super realistic, so it still kind of holds up. Uh, then I also watched another Tarantino movie, Reservoir Dogs. Um, yeah, classic, one of his best. And it's just impressive for how low budget it is. And uh, you're gonna bark all day, little doggy, you're gonna bark. That's the line that stands out to me about that. Or when he's like with the ear, like, hello, hello. <laughs> What a creep. Um, dirty work, though. Got to go back a little bit. Once again, rest in peace, Norm MacDonald. Uh, I got to do a tribute painting to him. I like to do these uh, tribute paintings to uh, stand-up comedians that have passed away. I needed to give, give it a little bit of time, though, just to kind of cope with the fact that he's gone and also not feel like I'm uh, capitalizing on it. Like, Because I do sell them. But as far as the tribute pieces go, they're not really done to sell. Like I will sell them because that's kind of my job is to be an artist and whatnot. But uh, yeah, I still got Greg Giraldo hanging on the wall. I think I might be one of the biggest Greg Giraldo fans you know. He's like one of my favorites. And Norm MacDonald, like in terms of like pure essence of funniness, like a man who just he seemed to be like a comedy entity, like personified. Uh, yeah, he's just one, one of my favorites. Uh, you know, I would almost say he's my favorite comedian. I don't know if he's my favorite stand-up, if that makes sense. It's just his particular sense and style and rhythm with comedy, whether it be movies or books, or interviews or just talking to people, whatever, he's my favorite. I hope that makes sense. But stand up is still probably Patrice O'Neill. Also rest in peace. And uh, with that, let's get into my top 10 Christmas movies. Now, before we get into the top 10, we have to do our honorable mentions. Um, I'm going to do these pretty quick and all I will say before I mention their names is I'm not as particular on this one. The last episode we did our top 10 Halloween movies and that one was like, no, let's get specific. Like something that has a real Halloween vibe. Like people would maybe say, let's just watch a bunch of scary movies for Halloween and they would watch seven or Silence of the Lambs. And I think we discussed at the time that we're like, no, that's not really a Halloween vibe. That's 
scary, creepy, but it's like very human in a way too. And we were looking for that spooky, like smell of people's fireplaces and decomposing leaves and smoke and witchcraft. Like you want all that in the air for a Halloween movie. So we got really specific, but Christmas movies, they are not my favorite. This is not my favorite genre, although I know that there's plenty of them made and there are some that I really love, which is why we're doing the top 10. But you, I'm sure, are aware of people saying Die Hard is a Christmas movie, which is on my honorable mentions list. And to me, it's like, yeah, sure. Set at Christmas time, has Christmas lights in it. Bruce Willis, sure, it's a Christmas movie. You know, Bruce Willis, just one of the reindeer, one of Santa's reindeer. Uh, Yeah, I'm a lot more loosey-goosey with what makes a Christmas movie because what makes Christmas for me is not the gift-giving, not Jesus, not even really Santa Claus. It's sitting in a nice, cozy house when it's cold with your family and friends, maybe having a little bit of eggnog, a little bit of rum in your eggnog, a little bit of treats and candies a little bit of rum in your treats and candies uh, good food a christmas ham maybe a good old rum ham and you're just getting toasty hopefully smoking a little bit of weed and you're watching just comfortable cozy movies that are like a good time and not scary and not stressful although there are some pretty good crossover creepy halloween christmas movies but uh and everybody has cool lights up. So it's nice and colorful outside, um, cast upon hopefully some snow. I will deviate real quick to say that Colorado is still in a record-breaking year of no snow. We have not seen any snow yet. Although some people said that there was a little bit in the morning, but I think that was frost. Otherwise, why would they be saying this? But all I know is when I woke up that day, I didn't see shit, so no snow. And that's nothing to be concerned about at all. So let's get into the honorable mentions. I'm going to run through these real quick and then kind of point out why they're on here. Uh, Batman Returns, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, Die Hard, Christmas Carol, but the one with George C. Scott, Trapped in Paradise, and Gremlins. Gremlins. I watched that during my October movie fest. And I got quite the social media beating about how that's a Christmas movie. Like, what are you doing? That's not Halloween. That's Christmas. And I was like, well, it's like, you know, creepy little monsters running around. But as I watched it, I was like, yeah, this is a little more Christmassy. But it's a fun little mischievous horror slash Christmas vibe movie. It defies genres sometimes. And that's what's really great about it. So I figured I'd mention it. And I do love the movie, but it's not top 10 as far as my Christmas movies go. Trapped in Paradise, I only put in my honorable honorable mentions so I would watch it. The reason why, like why, there's so many other ones that you would maybe throw in there. I threw in Trapped in Paradise because one of my best friends growing up was Steve Cook. And he loved this movie and I just never watched it with him but I remember him mentioning it a lot. 
had it on VHS and just never got around to it. So I need to watch it. Apparently it's a good Christmas movie. Um, I already have two basically like Christmas Carol movies in my top 10. So I figured why put in a third, even though it's kind of close. But the Christmas Carol with George C. Scott, I mean, if you want like old school, creepy, good acting, kind of, yeah, it is creepy. Uh, Jacob Marley and uh, yeah, the ghost of uh, Christmas Future. Really creepy stuff, but Oddly enough, this and this comes from the actual book. I need to read the book again. It's been a long time since I've even like read part of it. Uh, the Ghost of Christmas Present, which so many iterations remember that character is like this jovial Santa Claus type person. But in the George C. Scott one, there's this really creepy scene, which I think is in the book. He like opens up his robe to show starving children underneath his robe. And uh, yeah, it's a really creepy scene. They're all emaciated. And he's basically making a point to Scrooge, like, oh yeah, you having a good present right now? How about these kids? See what's going on with them? Selfish prick. Uh, when I was an English teacher in Hangzhou, we would do a Christmas lesson when we came into December. And just like, what's the big deal? Why does America care about it? And, you know, you can't really touch on the Jesus-y stuff. And I didn't really care to anyways. So I decided to do a little like kind of kid-friendly Christmas carol lesson and let them listen to it on tape and see if they could recount what the story was to me. And yeah, it was a good time. I liked it a lot. Uh, Die Hard that's been talked about ad nauseum on the internet i think you understand why it's on there but i did watch that with my friend tessa one year with her brother and some of their friends and i was like yeah i get this but they do it right after thanksgiving dinner like they have thanksgiving dinner watch die hard and rap presents something like that i'm trying to remember exactly that this was in seattle uh yeah so i liked the tradition so i think i totally get that one and it's a perfect time to just check back in on a really cool movie now these other two these are just two personal favorites of mine that are set during christmas but they're not quite christmasy enough there's batman returns and kiss kiss bang bang uh, for those of you that don't know, and feel free to argue with me, you can write me at the Jacob Wayne Show at gmail.com. But Kiss Kiss Bang Bang is a um, Robert Downey Jr. vehicle. And it's also one of Al Kilmer's last films before he lost his voice. He didn't lose his voice. He just has to use the little mechanical thing now. So his voice is very different. But kiss kiss bang bang it's uh written and directed by uh shane black who also wrote lethal weapon and a couple other things he's a really good writer though i just can't remember exactly off the top of my head but he wrote and directed this one and it's like a really fun like kind of noir 
detective crime action movie. And I think this is responsible for reviving Robert Downey Jr.'s career and also like launching him into becoming Iron Man because he was so charming and lovable in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. It's just like he was almost already sort of playing a, a version of Tony Stark in this, but a little more bumbling for sure. And uh, yeah, it's all set during Christmas time, which Shane Black loves setting his stuff during Christmas. He also directed Iron Man 3, which is my favorite Iron Man movie. But a lot of people don't like it, but I like it because it has like the kiss, kiss, bang, bang kind of humor to it a little bit. Uh, Batman Returns, just set during Christmas. Batman in the Snow. A wonderful Catwoman, wonderful Penguin. Not very comic book accurate, but more and more, who gives a shit? We'll we'll have that or have had that because they're never going to stop making these superhero movies. So why not enjoy some kind of fun interpretations? I love the Tim Burton Batmans more and more. And there's almost part of me that's like, hey, why not let Tim Burton do another Batman movie and bring back Michael Keaton and just continue that universe? Maybe they could even do like a Tim Burton Batman Beyond. Just totally like, yeah, fuck you. That's what we're doing. People will go. It'll make money. And it might be interesting. Might actually revive some people's interest that have kind of waned where it's Jacob waned, if you will they yeah it's just all like i watch the mcu movies too and i really like them but yeah it's kind of like episodic television and they all have the same tone and humor and action it's like yeah let's shake it up a little bit maybe that's what dc should do or maybe i think they're even trying to do is just make unique films here and there rather than a whole big universe anyway Let's get into our top 10. Still waking up a little bit. Let me take a sip of my coffee. So number 10, Jingle All The Way. This is the one with uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sinbad. I don't feel like it's very important to point out the director because there's nothing about the directing style that really stands out to me. This is just a really stupid movie. And there's nothing better than a stupid Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. And if you add the Christmas element, it's just, uh, this is one that I tried to talk my friends into doing like a drinking game with one Christmas ago and almost made it happen. But, you know, we ended up watching other stuff, but I think this is just a lot of dumb fun and I had kind of a hard time filling out my official top 10 Christmas movie list. So why the hell not? It's at 10. Do I like Batman Returns, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, Die Hard, Christmas Carol with George C. Scott, Gremlins more than Jingle All the Way? Yes. But only in a certain kind of way. This is like the most pure official stupid fun christmas movie that there's no other reason to throw it on than hey it's christmas time let's see arnold fight over a toy with sinbad at number nine we have bad santa 
which is very dirty, raunchy, cynical comedy starring uh, oh, Billy Bob Thornton. Yes. Uh, I'm going to start reading some reviews for for one of these and we'll we'll shout out people that I might read their thing. But Bad Santa, I almost want to look up what his, not his, what the movie's director was. See, this is why I should look up this stuff before recording. But it was directed by Terry Zwigoff. Huh? Okay. The only other thing he's directed that I remember hearing about is Art School Confidential. So not a director I'm very aware of. I think this is one of uh, Bernie Mac's last things he did. Might be his last movie. He uh, did pass away not too long after this, if I remember correctly. Um, Oh, and John Ritter. It was Ritter's last live action film appearance before his death on September 11th, 2003. Wow, that date sucks. Rest in peace to Bernie Mac and John Ritter. And uh, apparently the Coen brothers were accredited as executive producers. So that's also kind of interesting because it does have a little more of like an indie film kind of vibe to it. It's not just dirty comedy, but it's definitely dirty comedy. Um. Lauren Graham, who I think is known for her momness in that Gilmore Girls show. She was all dirty in this, too. That was nice. Let's see if we can find a good review of this other than what I'm telling you about it. All I know is that it is really funny. And it's just it's a good story. I like it overall. It's And it's, you know, it's nice to be cynical and dirty and fucked up for Christmas time. Um, let's go ahead and read this one. This guy gave it four stars out of five. This is a reviewed by Eggnog Ambrose. So he's a festive fella. Bad Santa is the unshakable example of a movie that was better than it had any right to be. I've started watching it as a Christmas tradition and it's still gut-bustingly rollicking whenever I view it. It's still gut-bustingly rollicking. That sounds weird. Billy Bob Thornton, Tony Cox, and oh yeah, shout out to Tony Cox. He's great. And Brett Kelly carry this lampoon at a reindeer on steroids pace. (laughs) Fucked up nasty comedy at its prime. Sure. Yeah. Eggnog Ambrose. So if you're on letterbox.com, go follow him. That's, uh, I agree. Verdict B plus. I agree as well. I don't know if I give it a total like A, but it's definitely a B plus. I kind of like the, I don't know. Maybe uh, I was been wondering how to rate movies when I talk about them on the podcast. Uh, I think I might start doing just the school grade thing rather than five stars. Cause I'm always like, I really like this movie, but it's a one star movie. Like, but I don't know how that would change much with going into the grade school rating thing. Like, hmm. 
No, yeah, I think I have to go back to the thing that I devised with uh, Kellen that one time. This is like two ratings. You give it your or how much did I like it and how much is it actually a good movie rating? And we'll just stick with the stars for that, I guess. Sure. All right, let's move on to the next film on the list. Number eight, The Family Man. Now, this might be the most schmaltzy movie I have on my list. Maybe. Uh, this is a Nicolas Cage movie. And uh, it's directed by Brett Ratner, which we all know about him. He also directed that Rush Hour movie I watched. So would you say I'm a Brett, Fa- Brett Ratner fan? No. He is the most boring middle of the road hey we're a corporation let's hire a corporate man director he's responsible for x-men 3 which is one of the most disappointing trilogy cappers in my memory almost as bad as spider-man 3 but i still love sam raimi so i think brett ratner brett ratner wins this one um also apparently a bit of a creep but my show is not one of those types of shows so i just heard that somewhere it could be wrong uh the family man it was released in the year 2000 and i remember being how old would i have been i would have been 14 years old young and impressionable it is an american romantic fantasy comedy drama film and stars nicholas cage and tia leone who I had a big crush on in this movie, Jeremy Piven, Saul Rubinek, and Don Cheadle as the magical African-American who helps Nicolas Cage see the flaws in his ways and gives him a magical opportunity to go back to a life where he didn't leave Tia Leone to go start a big career as a money man. He stayed in their small town and worked at her father's I think it's a car dealership. It's been a little while since I've seen this. And he learns the value of being married and having kids and all that stuff. And now listen here. Speaking to you as 35-year-old Jacob Wayne, the concept of marriage and kids. Hmm. I like the idea of marriage of maybe having a partner that I could kind of like do this thing with. Having sex again would be nice. Yes, that would be nice too. Uh, But there's a lot of baggage that comes with that. And yeah, it's got to be the right person. You're not just going to jump into it just because you think you should. (laughs) Utah. And having kids... I think that's a no-go. I don't think I want to have any kids. But if I meet the love of my life and she already has kids, yeah, that might be kind of nice. I could skip the whole uh, baby phase. Like, I don't really want that at all. I've lived with babies. And while I still love some of those babies and think they've become great people, I didn't like that phase at all. And sure, maybe it's different when they're your own, like a lot of people say, but I also read a lot of women that don't want to have kids and they're like, look, motherfucker, I don't want to have kids and quit telling me, 
oh, just have one and you'll love it. Like, no, not everybody will love it just because some people shouldn't be parents. And I think, I think I could be a really cool show up kind of in the second to third act stepdad. Being a dad, waking up early to take care of the baby. I don't know. I don't think so. I'm getting off track here. But when I was 14 in the year 2000, I wanted nothing more than to get laid, have a have the love of my life. Um, I've never been, I think I'm a pretty monogamous guy in general. I'm pretty excited to get into that phase where you're like sitting in pajama bottoms, sitting around snuggling, eating treats, uh, do the mundane thing like Saturday morning, go to like Home Depot to get a couple things to do some yard work. Like I like that shit. To a degree, not, not all the time, you know. Sometimes I gotta be like, hey, I gotta go get drunk with the boys and get fucked up a little bit. But yeah, I don't know. At the time, it made my heart ache. I was like, I get what this movie's trying to say. It isn't all about the money, it's about the people you create and share memories with. And for that, it's a very sweet, tender movie that can still kind of get to me. And it's also interesting to kind of see Nicolas Cage awkwardly stumble through, oh, what? I'm a married man, huh? What? That's my Nicolas Cage. All right, so let's, let's move on. This one could be pretty quick. This is number six and seven. Home Alone 1 is six. Home Alone 2 is seven. And that's pretty interchangeable for me. What could I say about Home Alone that hasn't already been said? Uh, Kevin McAllister's, he's going to be a serial killer. He is going to kill. And it's just a matter of time. And that's what's so enjoyable about this family-friendly caper is just how cynical and sadistic and weird it is. Um, I still love John Williams' score. The whole intro song is like re like creepy Christmas music. I think my buddy Jeff pointed that out to me once and it really stuck. Uh, that song, I believe, is on my Christmas playlist, by the way. So enjoy that. Jacob Wayne's Christmas playlist. Um, Tim Curry is in it. Wonderful Tim Curry. Yeah, I guess I don't have much else to say about it that like otherwise I'd just be repeating things you already know. But I will say this. One of the funniest things to me in the movie is the first one where Kevin's cousin is like, quit drinking so much Coca-Cola, you're going to pee in the bed again. And then he like turns and looks at Kevin all sadistically and he's just raising his eyebrows like, I'm going to pee on you. Oh, yeah, it's coming. Uh, it's just like, what a fucking creep. And I love that. And speaking of fucking creeps, Donald Trump shows up at Home Alone 2. And there was like this petition not too long ago when he was still president that was like, I mean, he's did it. No. Um, when he was still president, they were like petitioning to have him removed from the film. And I'm like, no, 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 no. We have to remember 
what a buffoon that man was before people elected him. He was a buffoon on late night television with uh, Letterman as a guest, not just somebody that they made fun of, but like he was an ass at Home Alone too. Not as bad as some other things. Like he just kind of says, oh, welcome to the air. And he just walks on. He's just like a brief cameo, but you're like, no, yeah, that's who it was. He was a douche that made cameos in movies and was an asshole on late night television. Like, and then became a reality TV star. Shitty real estate agent kind of guy. Whatever. Uh, and hey, just so I'm being fair and balanced, I think in the movie uh, First Kid, no, maybe it's Blank Check. Either way, uh, there's like this lame uh, Bill Clinton tape. Like, hey, did you find my saxophone under the bed? <laughs> it's like it's awful stupid and i think a legit criticism made on obama somewhat is that he uh schmoozed with hollywood and doing little like i don't know showing up on two ferns to try to be cool and likable and it just it kind of came off as a little like uh you're getting in, you know, you're kind of rubbing up with Hollywood a little too much. And I get why people find that a little bit gross. That being said, Obama going on the WTF podcast, I thought was a pretty great interview. So all I'm saying is, Mr. Obama, you're welcome to be a guest on the Jacob Wayne show anytime you want. And Trump, we'll talk about it uh number five a nightmare before christmas is this directed by tim burton i know he at least produced it a nightmare before christmas is it the or a oh it's the nightmare before christmas my bad also known as tim burton's the nightmare before christmas all right Ah, but it is directed by Henry Selleck in his featured directorial debut, but it was produced and conceived by Tim Burton. And this is another one that is very well known. Um, and that's another one that they have a little bit of debate about. Is this a Halloween movie? Is it a Christmas movie? I mean, Christmas is in the title. They kidnapped Santa Claus. But yeah, it's it's got a lot of Halloween in it. I mean, it's mostly takes place in Halloween Town. So I have always argued that perhaps this can be a Thanksgiving movie. I don't know. But I will say this, that if you go to that one scene where he escapes Halloween Town or just leaves it, I, he's like in the forest. And there's all the different trees with the different holidays and they have the different holiday doors. I remember as a young boy, I was like, man, I want to go inside every single one of those trees and see what each land is like, like Easter land and Valentine's land. Like, and I don't know if that would be worthwhile to go see all that in another movie, but I was certainly curious as a young kid, so... I mean, the art of this film is incredible. 
the music is great um yeah i don't know it's just a really good movie and yeah so it goes on the christmas uh list i think um there's actually a band that was one of my favorite bands growing up and my listenership has waned a bit as i get older because my tastes change but i was always a big fan of corn growing up they do a fun little cover of kidnap the sandy claws and i think that was the first song that they recorded with their new drummer when their original drummer left and when that song came out i was like that was like a blending of two things that i never pictured blending and it was a great introduction to a wonderful drummer. So uh, Ray Luzier, Luzier, L-U-Z-I-E-R. Uh, yeah, great, great song. Go listen to it. And I might have to throw that on the Christmas playlist. I don't know. Yeah, I might have to do that. All right, let's move on to the next one. Number four is Elf, the Will Ferrell holiday movie, which, as I get older, another thing that I have a bit of a waning fandom of is Will Ferrell. Uh, I used to be able to watch anything he put out and just love it. And as I've gotten older, I'm like, eh. Ballad of Ricky Bobby, semi-pro. Like, I can watch them if I'm in the right mood, but I'm not always in the mood for that. And I think it was the guys in Red Letter Media when they were talking about, like, any Will Ferrell movie. You can just time jump to any part in a Will Ferrell movie. Just random. And chances are you're going to land on him yelling. Just yelling about something. And, uh, you know, obviously it's a joke, but it's not too far off. I tried it and it worked. Um, no, but I still think Anchorman is a classic. But as far as this goes, like this is actually like very Will Ferrell, but also him being very sweet. And, and it has that blend of like a sweet Christmas family film but has enough like weird adult elements to make it not purely just a kid's movie. And it was nice. Cause I think at the time when it came out, um, it's, there hadn't been a really good Christmas movie in a while. And I think there was like Tim Allen's the Santa Claus, which I loved as a little kid. I really can't do that movie now. That's why it's not on my top 10. But man, at the time, I thought that was just the greatest. And so Elf, I think, was the first film after a while that I was like, wow, this is a really good Christmas movie. Um, I like how evil the uh, New York City like Park Police or whatever it is are in the movie. Uh, John Favre, he was the director. That man knows how to make a movie. I'll say that much knows how to put things together. So Elf is number four. At number three is the Muppet Christmas Carol. And let me see if I can find this meme real quick. I thought this summed it up really well. Uh, but yeah, it has 
my cocaine as uh Ebenever Ebenever's am I saying that wrong? Ebenever Ebenever Scrooge Ebenezer Jesus Christ I was like what the hell am I doing? All right, Ebenezer Scrooge super great has all the muppets that you know and love uh they had the cranky old critics up in like the rafters as uh jacob marley split into two characters that was always one of my favorite parts uh here's this meme um this was apparently written by your pal chauncey or chauncey sugar sweets um it's one of those where it's like Director, Michael Caine. The director says, okay, so it's a Christmas carol, but with Muppets. So, you know, feel free to have fun with it. Be a little silly. Michael Caine, I'm going to play this entire thing as serious as a car accident. Michael Caine. He's going to play it as serious as a car accident. And that's exactly what he did. Uh, the music's wonderful. I watched this a bunch with my cousin Tammy when we were very little and it first came out. Yeah, we wore out this VHS and it's become tradition. I like to watch it every Christmas if I get the opportunity. Um, let's move on because I think we're, we're getting, getting up there with how long we've been recording. Number two is... National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Uh, and I was very like, eh, almost number one because it's been a pretty big family tradition in my family to watch Christmas Vacation. Uh, I know it's really big with my eldest sister, Heidi. I think she still watches it every year. Um, the best of the vacation movies easily. I have a soft spot for Vegas vacation but it's nowhere near this one uh so many great scenes the cat under the christmas tree uh fucking up the neighbor's window uh the, the grandparents um the extra slick slide just takes off immediately that was always my favorite as a kid i mean yeah it's just fun fun silly comedy and it's also like yeah it's like family and just how lovable and yet infuriating family can be um yeah back when chevy chase was a bankable name and people loved him poor guy i always wanted to make a comeback but yeah if you ever go to i think it's the roast of chevy chase uh, Colbert actually roasted him pretty hard about how it's like cocaine sucking the soul and life out of somebody and I think that's exactly what happened to Chevy Chase but for Christmas Christmas Vacation what a great movie and last but not least we have my number one which is Scrooged this one is one that I don't know how many people know about it. So let's go into a little bit of detail. This is a 1988 American Christmas fantasy comedy directed by Richard Donner. 
great director. Uh, I think he passed away recently, if I remember correctly. And was it this year? Or... Yeah, it was. He passed away in July, and I went on a big Richard Donner uh, viewing of all his movies. Did all the Supermans, uh, Goonies. Did this really great one that I already forget the title of, but it's about this guy that tried to kill himself, but then fucked it up and then became friends with these folks at a bar and helped this guy become a basketball player. It might come back to me. It might not, but it's a good movie. Anyway, this one, though, is directed by Richard Donner uh, based on A Christmas Carol. But in this case, your Ebenezer Scrooge, still think I'm saying that wrong, is actually Bill Murray under the name Frank Cross. So he's a cynical and selfish television executive who is visited by the succession of ghosts on Christmas Eve, intent on helping him regain his Christmas spirit. Um, it has Bobcat Goldthwait, Carol Kane, a lot of old, like, kind of 80s comedy names at the time. They're just really great. Um... Oh, this is interesting. I didn't know this. Apparently, Murray returned to acting for the film after taking a four-year hiatus following the success of Ghostbusters, which he found to be a little bit overwhelming. Um, so he came back to this, and it's just uh, it's Bill Murray as Scrooge. Scrooged. I mean, how could you go wrong with this? It's got that 80s vibe. There's some genuinely like creepy parts. Um, it was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Makeup, but lost to the fantasy comedy Beetlejuice, which it should have. And uh, I don't know what else to say about it necessarily, other than it's just a really great movie, great comedy. This, it's just Bill Murray for Christmas. Bill Murray for president. And if Bill Murray ever wanted to come on the Jacob Wayne show, he's more than welcome. He's welcome before Obama and Trump and Clinton. Clinton's not welcome, actually. I don't want that around. I have too many clean dresses in my house. So that was my top 10 list of Christmas movies. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, yeah. Let me know if you enjoyed these solo episodes because in some ways it's easier to record these uh, than like scheduling it with everybody else. And once again, that's my bad. I'll get you an episode with your sweet Michael Valentine soon enough. Uh, but yeah, I think people have been running around trying to figure their lives out for the holidays, especially this year. Um, stay healthy, stay safe out there. And happy holidays and Merry Christmas. Ta-ta! Thank you for listening to The Jacob Wayne Show. If you would like to contact us, please write us at fakoshka at gmail.com. That is F-A-K-O-S-H-K-A at gmail.com. You can find us on Spotify, iTunes, and YouTube. Simply search The Jacob Wayne Show and it should pop right up. Make sure you like and subscribe and leave a review and share this podcast with your friends. Please write us. It helps add content to the show and makes the show even better for you, the listener. Thanks for tuning in.